Can I have a little bit more respect, please? <laughs> this is a Stradivarius. It belongs, to, it is, it belongs to, uh, it belonged to Rachel's grandfather. It's over a hundred years old. Made in China. <laughs> the passage we're going to read later is um, Revelation 21.5. Behold, <laughs> I'm making all things new. Praise God. Now stay seated if you found that beautiful. Thank you. I think I'm a natural. Now this is uh, this is Rachel's. Uh, what's it called? Violin, and it was her granddad's, and she has tuned it this morning. Can you believe it? Oh my goodness. Revelation 21.5, Jesus is speaking and says, Behold, I am making all things new. But I want to share something about one of the world's most premier violin makers to unpack that verse. His name is Martin Schleska, German chap who makes violins, the high-end level of violins. And in 2010, he wrote a book describing how the process of how he goes about making a violin. So he says that the violin maker must yield to the composition of the wood before it is shaped into a violin. He has to work with it in that way. And to find the right wood, he spends months seeking out what he calls, I love this phrase, singer trunks. So trees, but with trunks that sing. And how does he know if they sing? Because he goes around tapping with a tuning fork as he goes around looking for the right wood. He chooses seasoned timber. In other words, he chooses trees that have been formed by rough weather, winds, and sometimes a meager ground. Talking of foundations earlier, right? So he's looking for trees with these characteristics. And where he finds the knots and the cracks, they add to rather than subtract from the character of the wood. These type of trees bear witness to the kind of elasticity that is required to create the curved sides. I mean, isn't it? It's a work of art, isn't it? It's old. You can see that it's an old instrument now, but it is an absolutely beautiful work of art. He says they witness to the possibility of lives lived without pressure warping their integrity. Have you lived your life without the pressure of life warping your integrity? Of lives that bear the stress, but without splitting of lives that survive intact and strong through all the seasons of life. And every one of us lives in a season of life at a particular time. We're all in a season of life now. 
So Martin Schlesker writes this. He said, A good violin builder respects the texture of the wood and under their fingers feels their character, the solidity and the density. This shows, he says, the builder both the possibilities and the limits of the wood that he is working with. Each of this wood's quirks and characteristics, he says, has an influence on the sound that it will bring forth. Now, obviously, you can tell that this one has come from the highest quality wood. I asked God to help me play this today. So if I can't play this properly... I have to keep waiting on the Holy Spirit, I think. What he says is it's nature's cruelty that shapes the best-sounding wood. Isn't that an interesting line? It is nature's cruelty that shapes the best-sounding wood. He says every hardship that the tree experiences in its growing make the roots go deeper and they make the structural fibers of the wood stronger. Right? So the best-sounding wood is discovered, not necessarily just made. And after being discovered, the wood is cut down and stored for many years in a temperature-controlled place. And when it is ready, and the violin maker knows when it will be ready, the wood is shaped into the body of a violin. And this is where the genius of the violin maker comes to the fore now. And I, I loved doing my research on this. Because the best violin makers, he says, resist the temptation to force their own perceptions or their forms or their laws onto the wood because they imagine some kind of ideal violin in their mind. So they don't go against the grain or force their own perception. Instead, they see something else when they work with the wood. He says, we have to follow the wisdom of the timber's own story, its own history, as it is carried in the fibers of the wood. And so the violin maker honors what is crooked and takes care, great care, to cut to not cut in the wrong places. Taking great care not to dishonor the grain of the wood and knowing both the possibilities and limits of what he holds in his hands. Now, I'm sure there is a violin player here who could play this absolutely beautifully. You know the possibilities of what you would hold in your hands. And he does all of this because of one single goal. This is it. To so form the instrument that the instrument itself sings with its own voice. How beautiful is that? Are you making a connection now? Behold, I am making all things new. And what makes this process an act of loving creation is not that the wood capitulates to the artist, but that the artist consents to the wood. 
gives consent to it, works with it, doesn't brutalize it. Behold, I am making all things new. So it's the difference between forcing an agenda and living with a promise. Between subjecting and friendly conversation. It's the difference between working upon and working with. Behold, says Jesus, I am making all things new. Now, I hope you were able to locate yourselves somewhere within that story of the wood as it was being fashioned or discovered or stored or made with the knots and the grains and everything else. Because it does speak to the inexhaustible mercy of God who creates and recreates, of Christ who wanders the earth with his tuning fork tapping our lives inviting us to follow him in repentant faith. It is seeing the Holy Spirit do a work of unimaginable transformation. The greatest one is you right now. If you know Christ, you were once a sinner and now you have become a saint in God's eyes because of Christ. Behold... I am making all things new. And all of us have been taken and formed by the rough weather, the winds, and the meager ground as we've lived our lives. It is Christ coming to us, not just, not just respecting the, the texture of the wood, not just respecting the texture of our lives, but becoming textured into our lives. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. God has textured His life into the lives of all of us. And once Christ bids us to follow Him, our sin is cut down, and we are then hid in the storehouse of God. Held in the right place and at the right temperature for the right amount of time. So that we may learn what it means to be clothed with Christ. Colossians, uh, Galatians 3.27 To be clothed with Christ. To put on Christ. Behold. I am making all things new. And Christ knows our own histories as well. Anyone here without a history? We've all got histories, right? All of us. Just as when Nathaniel asked Jesus, do you remember, how do you know me? In, in uh, John 1.48, what did Jesus say? He said, when you were under the fig tree, Nathaniel, I saw you. Not just, I saw you, but I saw you. I didn't just see a man under a tree. I saw the potential of a sinner who will become a great saint. 
for the kingdom of God. I saw someone who sounds like this. Who will be made to play a beautiful tune. And whatever tree you are under today, Jesus sees you. He sees with a seeing that goes beyond the mere you, but you, your inner person. He sees it and he still loves it. He knows where we are gnarled and crooked. Anyone gnarled and crooked? Yeah, we're all a bit gnarly, aren't we? He, all, he already knows what our wounds of sin are. He knows that. I see you, he says. But he won't cut us in the wrong places. Why? Because a bruised reed he will not break, right? He'll work with the grain of our lives. A bruised reed he will not break, Isaiah 42, verse 3. And he does this with one single goal in our lives, to get you to sing with your own voice. Because the church is not an automation of mass-produced products like this one. We are not an automation of mass-produced products, but uniquely created and gifted individuals whom Christ sees. And we are singing redemption songs in our own voices. Behold, says Jesus, I am making all things new. It is in Christ that we live with this promise. Neither being subjected in tyranny or being worked upon as though we can sometimes find in in our lives and in our relationships, but in conversation with Almighty God and walking with the Word made flesh. Notice how Jesus came alongside the disciples on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion and the resurrection, disillusioned as they were, talking about these great things that have happened in the city. Luke 24, 15 to 17, while they were walking, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He worked with the grain and he asked in conversation, what is the conversation you are having? What is the conversation you are having as Christ draws alongside and invites you into that conversation? Maybe you've been able to see what God has done and is doing in your life over the years, and I really hope so, I do. Maybe you reflect back in some despair or sense of loss, and I, I hope not. I, I hope that the Spirit of God has redeemed the years that the locust have eaten in your lives. Behold, I'm making all things new, including you. But if you do sense that loss, Jesus sees you and he invites you to come and worship and walk with him. Psalm 2 says, kiss the son 
and take blessed refuge in him. Kiss the sun. And the refuge of this sweet kiss is found not only by the wood that was made by Jesus' hands. He created all things, it says in Colossians. But also by the fact that his holy hands were nailed to the wood that he made. Where Jesus would sing the song of our desolation so that we could sing songs of salvation in, re- in response. Through forsakenness, pain and agony of becoming sin so that we might become sons and daughters. We know this story so well. Do you sing the song that Christ has for you? He was abandoned so that we could be gathered. He carried our sorrows so that we could be saved. Isaiah 53 unpacks this. He was wounded and crushed for our sin so that we could be healed and born again to sing his song. Behold, I am making all things new. Some of us know that we are violins in the master's hand. We know that we are saved by grace in Jesus Christ alone. And yet maybe the song of salvation has lost its voice. Maybe. Maybe the the beauty that once formed you as a beautiful violin has long since broken down into splinters and dust. Maybe some of your strings need repairing. Maybe you feel spent, burnt out, or even wasted. Jesus sees you. Because if that is you, then this is for you. I'm going to read a poem that many of you will know called The Touch of the Master's Hand. It's about an old violin, and I'll finish with this. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidden, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me?' "'A dollar, a dollar, only two, only two, two dollars. Who'll make it three? $3 once, $3 twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. And then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low. What am I bid for the old violin? And held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars. Who'll make it two? Two thousand. Who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice. And going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. 
We do not understand, they said. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auction cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. Is he going once and going twice? He's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. Do you believe this? Amen. God bless you, church.